welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 101 for Saturday the 19th of May 2018 and I have in the last five minutes um, just finished writing, where did I put it on the calculator, Um, 16,243 words this week so I just wrote 5,306 words today, on Thursday I wrote 5,852 words And on Tuesday of this week, I wrote 5,085 words. So the total is 16,243 words this week. Now, that is the highest number of words that I've written for quite some time. I can't remember the last time I had a week with three writing days in it. So like riding a bicycle after a long time or driving a car after a break of not driving for some time, it's always a great relief to know that you can still keep up that pace. Now, this already, and this seems remarkable because it only seems like five minutes ago that I was saying to you, I haven't quite got the idea for this book yet. Uh, It seems remarkable to be be saying to you that I'm now a third of the way through the first draft of that book. So we've hit the 30,000 word mark at the moment. I'm actually at, at, um, because I always overwrite, we're actually at 33,337 words. That's the grand total at the moment. But I'll write to 90,000. I always write 5,000 odd words at a session. Um, so that feels good. And that's the first part of the book. So the that I've written six chapters. Each chapter has three parts. The book's good to have um, three parts to it. And uh, we've kind of, you know, established the scene. We've created the intrigue. Uh, there's an awful lot going on, as there always is with these uh, uh, thriller books. And um, I, I'm really enjoying it. You know, it's, it's sort of going very well. It feels like it's unfurling nicely. My wife has read up to... 20,000 words, I think it was, and she's kind of into it and hurrying me to uh, to write uh, more, which is always a good sign because she doesn't like uh, thrillers. So, um, you know, it's going well. And I, I feel very pleased with that 15,000 words. So the reason I, I did extra words this week is a, a bit of a long story, but it was just a shuffle in my schedule. So I had taken a day off. So I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on, on, on a day job. And I'd taken a day off on the Tuesday because I was going to go to an event in Manchester. Now, for various reasons, um, I, I didn't end up going to that event. A bit of a, a mess up from sort of the booking point of view. So I had the day off anyway. I bought a hotel for Monday night and train tickets. And my, I said to my wife, why don't, why don't you go for a day out? If you, you have a day out, because my, my wife sort of loves a day out. She's quite happy wandering around museums and exploring and things like that. So she she did that. So the rail tickets to the hotel got used, which I was delighted with. Um, but that then meant I had a day off. And I thought, well, I'm going to take the day off and I'll just write. Because um, something else had come up in a couple of weeks' time. It's a podcasting uh, group meeting in Glasgow that I tried to attend at the beginning of the year and it got snowed off. And I thought, well, I'd like to go to one of these just to see what it's like. So I We'll need to take half a day off of that. And I thought, right, okay, fair enough. We'll shuffle the diary around. If I get an extra day this week in the pot, hence the 15,000, I wouldn't normally have done 15,000. It's quite a tall ask that. Um, I thought I'd get that day in the pot up front. And then that frees up a writing day, a day when I don't have to write in a couple of weeks' time, when I can go overnight, enjoy this podcasting event in Glasgow. And then I don't have to rush back and get a day's writing done. So I just decided 
to do it preemptively rather than having to catch up after the podcasting event. So I would not normally, and I haven't scheduled any more 15,000 word writing sessions. I do find that, you know, to be fair, it's been okay. I think yesterday, no, no, Tuesday, I did struggle with the writing on Tuesday. You can tell I did because I only wrote 5,085 words. So I, I just got over the finish line thinking, oh, thank goodness, made it, made my 5,000 words. Um, but mainly that was because I'm out of routine. I really like my days. Uh, you know, I'm very routinized. I, I um, need to get the swing right on these days. So I, I know that I'm writing on a Tuesday and Thursday all through the week. Um, the routine of the day is always the same. Have breakfast, you know, have a chat with my wife, have a little posture around while she's getting ready to go to work. She goes out at about 20 to 10. And then the minute she's out the door, I start writing. The timers are on and I'm done by the time she gets back home. And I like that routine. I'm very used to it. So on Tuesday, I was out of that routine because my wife had been away overnight. I think I got up in the end at five o'clock in the morning and wrote the first 1,700 words before breakfast. So I was just out of routine. I'm not good out of routine. I am a very routinized writer, uh, which is why I can't do, as, as many of you do, I know, a lot of you will do 500 words there here, you know, a thousand words there, and you'll be able to do it in little gaps during the day. I I'm, I struggle with that. Uh, I'm the same when I come to reading books. I have to sit down and read it. I can't do things in little pockets like that. I need to dedicate um, the time to it. So that's just a, a personal quirk of mine. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for two reasons this week. 15,000 words is a lot of ways, a lot of words in a week, whichever way you look at it. I'm very pleased that I've managed to do that. But also um, to be third way, a third of the way through that book already. The first draft, of course, uh, feels really, really good, particularly as I was uh, malingering a little bit over getting it started. And the story feels strong to me. Um, it just it feels very, very strong. It's got lots of legs. It's going to be fine, I think, for a 90,000 worder. I think there's lots of um, you know intrigue, mystery in it. I like the characters in it. I haven't introduced all of them yet because it is a slow burn over 90,000 words. So no, I'm, you know, I'm good. It feels good at this moment in time, a third way through. Uh, I'm happy with it at the moment. So that's great news. Okay, so that's writing news this week. Um, got quite a lot of general news to talk to you about. And let's just talk about um, GDPR at the moment. And <laughs> I noticed that memes have started going around the internet at the moment with people saying uh, there's the Batman one where he's slapping Robin. And Robin's, I think, starting to say GDPR and Batman slaps him to shut him up. And then there's another one with Samuel L. Jackson, I think, pointing a gun saying, you know, don't talk about GDPR. And I think we all feel like this at the moment. It's like, oh, enough already, enough of GDPR. And um, if you listen to my episode 101, which I'll talk about in a moment or two, um, I think um, I seem to hit the zeitgeist with my feelings about GDPR at the moment. I mean, we're all sick to death of the blasted thing, aren't we? And how many emails have I had uh, from people. It was quite useful, actually, because I'm getting all these emails from people saying, do you still want to receive our email communications? And um, and I'm just not responding to them because it's just going to get me off, I hope, a load of email lists. Uh, so it's quite useful from that point of view, I guess. But anyhow, um, you know, I'll tell you what I've done for GDPR. I used Mark Dawson's guidance, which I thought was excellent. I dropped uh, James Blatcher note the other day just to say thank you, because I'm really kind of grateful that um, it was Mark Dawson and uh, I can never remember his surname, Nick, the 10,000 emails man. I can never remember his email, his uh, surname. Uh, they, they both did excellent sort of presentations geared specifically at authors, but Mark's handout that he gave on the self-publishing film was just excellent. And uh, I took the wording from that 
and, and made adaptions for my business. I added a few extra bits that I have to do because I use Amazon ads and things like that. And I'm happy that I've now got a privacy policy that is, um, you know, compliant. I'm just small fry anyway. So if it isn't compliant, uh, if there was you know, any kind of issue, which there won't be, uh, then uh, I, I might just get a, a little bit of guidance. I'm not going to get a fine for it because I'm not doing anything evil. Somebody might just say, oh, did you know you ought to do this? But I, I, to be honest with you, you know, I, I'm happy with it for 25th of May and um, we'll get more information. What will happen next is 25th of May will come. We'll probably see a few test cases, a little bit more discussion about it, and then it'll all settle down. This is always the pattern. It was the pattern uh, when they brought in the the cookie disclaimers that we all had. It was the pattern. What was the other thing? Oh, the uh, the VAT moss on digital products. It always happens. There's a big scare in the deadline up to the deadline. Everybody's running around like headless chickens. Um, the deadline comes and passes. Uh, there are a couple of kind of examples and then we all kind of find out what we're supposed to be doing and make the appropriate tweaks so my, my view is that it's the, the, the bigger players that are going to have to worry about this small fries like us are not going to have to worry but of course we should do everything we can to be compliant so so thank you to mark and to james for doing that excellent uh, detailed work for us uh, i i feel quite happy about it the other thing i discovered is um, what i haven't quite done yet is um well I did, I did clean my list i told you i was going to clean my list now this is not i just want to be clear about this this is not me misinterpreting gdpr okay i've cleaned my list because cleaning your list is a good thing to do i've done this many many times in my career i don't want deadwood on the list i'm paying for them so the, the fact that I've cleaned my list isn't me misinterpreting GDPR. This is me saying, oh, it's GDPR. I'm having to go through this anyway. I'm going to do this anyway because it would be something that I do on a regular basis. So I have cleaned out my list, not because of GDPR. I've cleaned it out because I've got people on that list. I know because I did a segment on it on MailerLite who haven't opened my emails for the last hundred or ninety days. Right? They're dead wood. I don't want them on the list. They're obviously not interested. They're not engaged. I'm quite happy to ditch them. Now you may have a different uh, policy about this, but I've been doing email marketing long enough to know that there's plenty more where they came from. Now those people were not interested or engaged. I'm paying for them on MailerLite. I'm quite happy for them not to be on my list. So I've reduced my list. I got rid of about 2,000, you know, but they were not opening emails. They're not interested in what I'm saying. They were there to pick up freebies. They've come and gone and they're not engaged. And that's fine by me. I've, I've been at this long enough to know that there's plenty more where they came from. I will just simply replenish the list. And on, on, when I replenish the list, there will be some people who are only there for the freebie. They really don't care at all. And there will be a core of people who open the emails and stay committed. And my view is, is that as I build my core email list, I'm constantly growing it, ditching the deadwood, growing it, ditching the deadwood of the wood of the core list should be growing with quality people who are engaged with you. And you should be constantly turfing out um, the deadwood. And that's just my view of that. That's just my policy uh, on, on that. But that isn't a misinterpretation of GDPR to me. It's just good list hygiene. Um, and so next email I send, uh, because all the people on that list now, the two and a half thousand or whatever I've now got on my boiled down list, um, I'll get a virtually, I'll probably get an 80 to 100% um, open rate on that email because they're all engaged with me and that's exactly who you want on your email list. Now, there are other policies where you say, you know, you can have this 
kind of deadwood list. And I mean, I just remember I've been going through re-engagements since the beginning of this year with these high quality emails. So I've changed my marketing. So I have been doing re-engagements since the beginning of this year. But if they if they're not opening the emails, they clearly are not interested in what I'm offering or presenting or communicating. So I'm quite happy to get rid of them. There is a, a train of thought where you could just keep those people in a separate list and market to them in different ways. But you know, I don't care. They're gone. So my list is now two and a half thousand people. They're all very engaged. They're all opening my emails. And I will, uh, what I'm going to do now is um, I'm going to let sort of GDPR settle down for a month or two. Just go this through this crazy bit because the next thing you're going to have is uh, who, who's somebody mentioned this the other day. You know, everybody's going to know about GDPR and you're going to get customers. Uh, you know, I'll put money on that most of us get a customer saying, oh, you don't want to be doing that with GDPR. Everybody's going to be an expert on this for a little while. And then it, and then it's just going to go back to normal and it will it will die down. Every now and then you'll get a big court case, big sort of legal case about somebody who was in, in breach of it. And, and they'll be the big boys and girls, you know, not tiny fish like us. And, and 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 we, if we've got any sense, we'll look at those. Say, was, am I doing anything wrong there? Do I just need to do a little course adjustment? And and that's what we'll do. Um, so uh, so I feel good for GDPR. Now the other thing about that was is what I haven't done yet, and I've got to come back to this. Is I I need to just set up my. I've got to go through my automations in MailerLite, and I've got to review all my email marketing. But in the meantime, I, I do want to be able to uh, give away um, sort of free book book previews and add people to my list. So um, what I did uh, is I went to Booklinker, and I, I have to tell you that Booklinker, not Booklinker, Book Funnel, I beg your pardon. Book Funnel have done a brilliant brilliant job of responding to GDPR. I'm really impressed with how they've responded to. And so what I've done on my websites now is I've got the I've got graphics to say get a free sample of a book and I've done it for all of my either first in series or standalone books. I've done nice little graphics for them all um, so that I could use these and rotate them in future. And instead of going sort of straight to MailerLite to get the book, what I've done is you click on the image to get the book and it opens up BookLinker. Uh, book Funnel, I beg your pardon. Sorry, if you hear me say BookLinker, I mean Book Funnel. Um, they're all got similar names, these things. Now, what BookFunnel then does is it allows you to give away and deliver a free book in multiple formats, which is fantastic. Um, but it, it allows you to do that kind of GDPR-friendly thing where um, basically they, they get the free book straight away if they want it. But there's a checkbox if they then want to receive your emails. And then I've put the the friendly, the GDPR-friendly message on that, that Mark Dawson recommended in his document uh, you know, which says that you can unsubscribe any time and that if you subscribe, you'll be getting my free books, my promotions and updates, you know, so you, you let them know exactly what they're in for. And, and then obviously my MailerLite is linked to BookFunnel. So as an interim movement, as an interim sort of action, I'm letting BookFunnel handle that until I have got time to work through my MailerLites. Now, again, my MailerLite sequences need to be reviewed. One thing, you see, GPL has been quite handy for me because one of the things I've decided to ditch um, and something I've been hanging on to and shouldn't have done really is I, I always kept a sort of internet marketing list, which I got through my blog. And what I've decided as, as a result of all this this review and cleaning up is I, I've just ditched internet marketing now. I'm not doing internet marketing. If I do anything, it's good to be related to self-publishing now. So I had a foot in two camps. I've ditched the internet marketing now. If I do any kind of internet marketing, it will be based around self-publishing now. So I've ditched, I have ditched finally internet marketing. I'm not doing it anymore. It's all, any kind of teaching, tuition, training that I do online is going to be based around um, self-publishing. And then also I've got a side of it with the crypto, but I have officially ditched the internet marketing. I had a bit of a list there. I can't remember how big it was, uh, a residual list, and I just burned it. It's gone. So 
Um, I'm only sending out you know, one communication essentially at the moment, and that's going to be always related to being a writer and self-publishing. And that frankly makes my life a lot easier. I'm not split into different camps. So if you haven't got BookFunnel, do take a look at BookFunnel. As I say, brilliant, brilliant response to it. The Mailerlite thing is is just like me burning some of my list. It's nothing to do with GDPR. It is part of a, a review that I would do anyway on a periodic basis that just happens to have been inspired by the fact that I'm going through it for GDPR. So um, I am going to need to go through all my Mailerlite sequences, make sure they're still current, topical, make sure I've built in my new books, which I know I haven't. I haven't got my books in my sequences yet. Um, so I, it's just going to be a big review. And I'll get back. I don't know when I'll get to that. But um, in the meantime, I've used Booklinker for this kind of interim position so I can still collect email addresses and give away free books. Now, the other thing is that because most of my books, certainly at the meantime, again, I'm reviewing this shortly, I'm just waiting for books to come out of KDP Select. When they're in KDP Select, I can only give away 10% samples of the books. So at the moment, I'm only giving away 10% samples of the books through Booklinker. And, and I've, I've adapted the covers so they say sample on them. You know, you know it, you're not getting a whole book. It's very clear, very open. And um, but when I when I start to take some of my books out of KDP Select, I'll be able to give away first in series free the full the full books. But the rules are of KDP Select that you can only give a sample up to ten percent. So while I'm in KDP Select, Select, I am limited to that. Now I need to look at Insta Freebie again. I haven't used Insta Freebie for giveaways again. I'm nervous about Insta Freebie because I think that you've got to take great care as a as a Euro a UK based author to make sure that the other authors aren't doing you're not involved in a giveaway that isn't compliant in some way so i haven't got to insta freebie yet to work through it with a gdpr point of view to make sure that i'm happy that it's fully compliant but i know that i will be cautious again in this this sort of couple of months after gdpr just to ensure that if i do take part in any giveaways i'm happy that they are compliant so that if people are taking part from the usa they too have kind of got the the GDPR message. So as I say, you know, I feel like I'm ready for the 25th. I, I'm, I'm good to go for the 25th. I will. I'm, I'm not going to rush into anything. I'll just we'll just let it tick over for a month or two. That's you tend to get the sensible information after the date, actually, not before it. You get the scurrying around like headless chickens up to the deadline date, and then after the deadlines pass, we start to get more sensible and balanced information. Uh, so I'll just wait for that little period then, and then I'll you, you know. I'm busy at the moment. I'm writing, but when the book's done, probably over summer, I will review all my email marketing and just kind of bring it all up and freshen it up and just make sure it's all kind of ticking over. So uh, that's GDPR. Thank God for that. We hit, we, you know, we hit the deadline for better or worse next week. Let's just get on with it. Uh, I'm sick to death of it. Um, it's taken far too much of everybody's time. On Saturday, no, I had a little bit of an update here. On Saturday, um, you may recall me saying on a previous diary that this story is set on a on an island, and that the chap who runs the island, a gentleman called Alvaro Salero, um, he'd agreed to do a Skype uh, interview with me, just so I could find out about the islands, you know, nasties, what the jungle's like, what the dangers are, uh, whether they've got Wi-Fi, you know, all the little bits and pieces that I just need to know. Now, I'm going to use a fictional version of his island. And um, when, when we were doing the interview on Saturday, uh, you may remember that I said I was going to try and place that either in Patreon or maybe put it as one of uh, the weekly interviews. Uh, what Alvaro said to me is um, we could do two interviews. The first interview he said is kind of me being very honest and frank, uh, not, not, not in a salesman kind of way, selling the island. And I'm very happy to do that with 
you as an author, but I would rather we didn't make that public. And that's completely fair enough. You know, if I'm there saying to him, right, well, you know, could could I die in this way on your island? Could I die in that way? That's not very good publicity. So I completely, uh, you know, support that. But he's very happy to do a kind of more public-facing interview with me, and I and if I do that, I'll do that when the book's kind of written and and just talk about the island and what goes on there and just you know scene set with the island. So so just to update you on that, I won't be making that interview that I recorded on Saturday available. But it was brilliant. I mean, Alvaro was absolutely brilliant. I've got pinned on my board here uh, about four sides of notes. Um, about about the island. I haven't started writing the island scenes yet. I, I, they're just on the plane to Kuala Lumpur at the end of part one. So the island comes in the next bit. So I was very grateful for that. But he was just telling me all sorts of things. You know, I needed to know about the currents of the tide. I needed to know about the sun, the daylight hours. I needed to know about, you know, what, what beasties you might find in the jungle. I just needed to get it right because I've never been to that part of the world. I haven't got a clue. He was telling me about the airport. So I was asking him, where would you meet as a family at the airport? Just all those little local details. And I'm not going to go over the top with the research. You just need to drop this stuff in. But I can always remember when I was on the radio, somebody doing a radio report and, um, it was, it was about aeroplanes, something about aeroplanes. And he, he, he just sort of waxed lyrical about an aeroplane, you know, flying from south to north or something like that across the skies over a village. And there's always someone who knows better than you. And and somebody wrote into the BBC and said, oh, you know, um, the, the aeroplanes are flying from such and such, in fact, and they actually go from north to south. And by the way, the engine sound effect that you used wasn't this kind of plane. That quite clearly wasn't a jet engine. It was a something engine. There's always someone who knows, you know, some expert out there. And, and so it's always good to just do a little bit of research um, about that and just try and get your you know your facts right. I mean, the reporter on the BBC was just kind of doing it to to illustrate uh, a, voice, a, a sound report, uh, but but you know there's always someone there who catches you out when you you don't use the actual plane or something like that. And you're just doing it to illustrate. So um, I thought it would be really handy because I've never been to that part of the world. I haven't got a clue whether it's you know what 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 kind of fish are in the sea. I just haven't got a clue. So. Alvaro was brilliant. Well, you know, really, really, really helpful. Now, I'm not going to use his island. It is going to be his island, but it's going to be a fictional version of his island. The other thing about these islands is, is, is that actually they don't tell anybody where they are. So what I found out is that and this is perfect for my thriller. You you, you meet uh, at Kuala Lumpur and then you go to the local harbour. You just have a local transfer to the harbour and then they put you in a boat and take you to the island. So you don't actually really know where it is. And that's part of the adventure um, because they're private islands and they don't want people, you know, Going going to them unless they're they're booked in properly. So that's perfect for a thriller. You know what 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 better than that? Where nobody actually knows where you're going. Um, you know we, we leave you at the harbour and uh, uh, you go off on a motorboat. That's the last we see of you until you come back. So it's all all, all very good for for crime. Um, here's a little funny one. I put a picture on the resources page here. I don't know whether I mentioned this to you, but uh, my sister has um, got some little acetate strips done. She's she's doing up her house, and on the staircase, they wanted to do... You see quite a lot of them online these days. It's quite popular. People put, like, book... Um, what do they call them? The sides of books. You know the thing. I forgot what it's called. Um, but the, the, the edges of books they put on their staircase. And um, my sister's done this, and she's got... She, she wanted. She's done the secret bunker. She asked me if she could use the secret bunker. And, and put that on a step. And um, so she's got all these acetates done, you know, from the, the, the sides of the books, which I can't remember what the word is. <laughs> I can't remember what the word is. I'm delirious from writing too many words. And um, 
spine, the spine of a book. That's the word I'm looking for, the spine of a book. And she's put the spine of the secret bunker, uh, and it's on the bottom step. And now, you know, if I were an English literature student, I would think that that was poignant in some way. Um, <laughs> author at bottom of the staircase, that, you know, that, that you'd interpret that in some way if you were a student of English literature. But anyhow, she's put me on the, on the bottom step, and then you've got all these lit, you've got all these literary giants as you go up the stairs, and then Paul, <laughs> the secret bunker. But I'm, you know, I'm very flattered. It's really, really nice of her. It's really nice to see that um, she's put this on the staircase, and she sent me a photo of it, and I'll, I'll send you i'll put the photo on the resources pages so you can have a look so i have made it to the bottom step of my sister's staircase and uh, i can't wait to see the whole staircase it'll look great you know because she's got all these classics on there but there i am the secret bunker immortalized i hope it doesn't bring down the value of her house <laughs> somebody might use it in future to negotiate a few thousand off the asking price when she comes to sell it uh, now then, uh, this weekend, this is I'm recording this on Friday, so it's Friday afternoon. I've done my writing, and uh, I am going later on this evening. I'm hopping on a plane again. Uh, it's quite a late flight, but I'm hopping on a plane. I'm going to Bristol. I've got I'm going to Crimefest for a couple of days. Now, originally, I had booked a ticket for the whole of Crimefest, so I think it started. I think it's, it sort of started yesterday evening, I think, but it, it started for good and proper today. So I was going to be there, I think, from last night. I booked the hotel for four days. But when I was jiggling my diary around, I thought, oh, four, four days is a, is a long time to be away from home. And I needed the writing day. So what I've done is I, I changed the flight. So I'm, I'm going pretty well as late as I can tonight, about a nine o'clock flight. And I'll you know jump in a taxi, go to my hotel, be there bright and early next day, and then I'll come back on Sunday for Crime Fest. So I've never done a Crime Fest before. It's down in Bristol, um, and I've seen a few people posting on Twitter who I know, so uh, I'm looking forward to meeting Rachel Amphlett there. Uh, Rachel's over from Australia um, attending uh, Crime Fest. It was actually Rachel who told me about it, and I said, well, if you're going, I'll, I'll meet you down there. So um, this is really just me. Um, there are two kind of main crime festivals. There's this one in, I think they call it Crime Story in Bristol this weekend. And then they've got the one over at Harrogate too. Those are the two, I th- you know, there's lots of crime festivals, but I think those are probably the two biggest ones. I think that's fair to say. And um, I'm not going to go to Harrogate because the timing's not very good for me, but I do want to try and get to a Harrogate at some point. There's just the usual, you know, mixing, publishers, that kind of thing. And um, it, I just sort of thought, well, blimey, I've got seven thrillers now. I, I ought to be showing my face at these things. So uh, if, if only to learn, but also to meet people. So I, I will be at Crime Fest. Um, well, I'll be going after tea this evening and spending the weekend there. So I'll let you know how that goes on next week's diary. I wanted to thank, uh, we've got uh, a number of new Patreon supporters uh, this week. Um, uh, I've got this little offer on just to the end of May uh, uh, that if you become a Patreon supporter, uh, how, how long have you got? You've got just about two weeks left, haven't you? If you can't become a Patreon supporter of this podcast before the end of May, when you sign up, you'll be able to get free access to my self-publishing academy, self-publishing course. And there's everything everything that I know about self-publishing in there. It's a comprehensive, pretty comprehensive course. It normally sells for, it's either £97 or $97, I can't remember. Um, it, it hasn't been, I mean, it's about a year old. It hasn't been refreshed for a little while. I don't know whether I am good to refresh it, but that's that's why I've made it available as a sort of special offer, really. You know, before I, I have to decide whether I'm good to refresh it and continue to, to sell it or whether I'm going to, uh, you know, ditch it and move on to something else. Um 
but uh, I thought, well, I might as well, you know, it's still good to go. I don't think, I don't think it's particularly uh, dated. Uh, I, I'm just trying to think. No, I think, I think it's, I think it's all up to date as far as I know. I'm sure it is because the last thing that changed that was significant was the, the sort of KDP Select interface in that it allowed you to list paperbacks. And I, so I've put videos in updating that. That was the last big change that came on. So it's all, it's all pretty well there. It's all pretty well up to date. But as I say, I haven't put anything new in it for some time, which is why I thought, well, this is a great opportunity really just to get the last people on board with this before I reconsider its future. So if you do listen to this podcast, if you do feel that you get any kind of, you know, support, value, information, whatever from it, even just a laugh occasionally, then um, I would love you to become a Patreon supporter. Your Patreon support uh, sort of pays for my my time uh, and also the costs that go with uh, creating this uh, podcast every week. Um, it sort of keeps the show on the road, so to speak. Um, and hopefully there's a really nice incentive in there for you to, to join up and support the podcast until the end of May. But it will get switched off at the end of May. There'll be no, oh, it's 1st of June. I didn't hear about it. It's getting switched off on the last day of May. So if uh, you're considering that, you need to jump in fast and become a Patreon supporter. By the way, when you become a Patreon supporter, your uh, access to the course is instant. You've got a special sign-up link in there. You can just get it within five minutes of becoming a Patreon supporter. And I want to thank Lucy Branch uh, this week. Lucy has been a previous guest on the show. Uh, I've also done a little bit of work with Lucy on podcasting as well. And uh, Lucy's become, um, I can't remember what, is it a VIP uh, you've, you've become a sort of a premium supporter of the podcast. Thank you very much for that, uh, Lucy. If you if you have a look, I've done all the little bits that I said I would, which is like you've got a little um, got a promo on the on the podcast uh, supporters page. Uh, you're on my Twitter list and all the bits and pieces that I said that I would do for being a supporter. Thank, thank you very much for your ongoing uh, support. Uh, you, you're, you've been supporting the podcast for so long. Um, you might be a due, uh, due a gold watch fairly soon um, because you've been supporting us for so long. I'm not sure whether the budget can quite stretch that yet, but you get the gist. Thank you for being on board uh, for such a long time. As you know, I was a little bit nervous about last week's episode. I don't usually kind of you know, have a rant and, and, and completely and freely express my views um, on this podcast. I like to try and stay diplomatic. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to come over as some kind of troll or be negative about things. But uh, last week's episode got some really um, interesting feedback. Um, uh, you know, all, all of it positive, I'm pleased to say. I think some people uh, had, had a good old laugh at it. And um, a lot of you picked up particular uh, elements of them. So you didn't all agree with everything, but it was just very fascinating read. And just to go through, um, you know, a couple of uh, just just a couple of the bits of feedback that I got, not all of them. So my apologies if I've excluded yours from here, but I just got a little selection here. Um, I had um, A.M. Pine uh, writing to me saying um, that I finally finished reading the uh, or listening to the podcast and um, really enjoyed it. Thanks for being real about your journey. Uh, MC Rowley said, loved episode 100 of The Diary. Enjoyed the rants. Regarding GDPR, I couldn't agree more. What a load of bolt. Beep. I haven't, I haven't got an official beep, but what a load of bolt. Uh, rude word. Okay, but uh, so yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul Hughes uh, tweeted and said, really enjoyed the podcast today, Paul. Very funny. <laughs> Good. Please be entertained. And uh, John Cronshaw tweeted me and said, uh, love today's diary. A lot of what you said echoes many of my own feelings. Good work. So, oh, and there's another one up here too. And I'm really sorry. I, I, I thought I'd I thought I'd thought got the name on this and I, I forgot the name. But um, 
and I do apologize. I thought I'd cut and pasted it, but I haven't. But um, somebody's saying, do not rewrite your previous books to try and make them better. Uh, they are what they are, and any tweaking or even significant writing is unlikely to raise your net profit as much as producing additional works at the same time. And I and I completely um, agree with that. We had a little email exchange about that. And I said, by writing my previous works, what I really mean by that is that when I wrote The Secret Bunker, you, you know this if you've been listening to this podcast, I did a mix of tenses. I think it works. A lot of people love it. But it, but if it's a divider, if it's a Marmite kind of element of the book, that that's it. That's the Marmite element in that book. And so I often think, you know, it's a, I like that book. It's a great book. I'm very pleased with it. But I often wonder if I just went back and wrote it all past tense, would it just get rid of this kind of pain of, 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 of the Marmite factor in it? So when I talk about rewriting books to make them better, that's really all I mean is going back to the secret bunker and writing it past tense. I, uh, I'm very happy with the thrillers. I'm not going back to rewrite them. Um, you know, I, I know they're not perfect, but I'm not rewriting them. They're, they're, I'm, they're, I'm happy with them. Um, the same with The Grid and the same with Phase 6. It's really only the secret bunker that I, I consider going back to to write all in past tense. Um, that That's really the one. And um, the other thing that I think I'd quite like to do with all the books, and this is easy because they're all in vellum now, it's very, very easy for me to do, is I, I like, um, I think I picked this from, 20 books and I know a couple of other authors do it I really like this idea of putting authors notes in 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 books and I quite like to do that with all my books too just what inspired you and where the idea came from and things like that Um, now um, what I have done and I'm so sorry that I didn't cut and paste the name and you know what I'm like with names so apologies but what I did do is I I put a video I I sent a video to the person who sent this um, email uh, and it was a Father Ted video now Father Ted is a series of the in the UK and there's a lovely scene where Father Ted has a little dent in his car. So, you know, a little imperfection. And this is what we're like when we do our books, I think, sometimes. And and I've put that video on the resources page. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a UK series. The video quality is really bad because somebody's just put their phone up and filmed it off the telly. But it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant gag. So please just bear with it. And if you have a perfectionist in you, if you're the kind of person who keeps fiddling about with things, please watch that video. It's very funny. Uh, but there's a really good lesson in it for all of us. So anyhow, thanks ever so much. You know, I, I really appreciate the kind of you know lots and lots of feedback for that hundredth episode. Uh, I'll, I'll have to do it again sometime, obviously, because it, it went down very well. But thank you if you took the time and trouble. And apologies if I didn't get to your email, but I've I've just had to take a selection of them. Got a, a message from Orna Ross this week from the Alliance of Independent Authors. Um, I'm actually going to be doing uh, an Amazon Author Academy in Newcastle on Tuesday, the 5th of June. So if you're one of my Northeast pals, um, hope to see you there. That'll be nice. Um, I've got lots of pals who've been on this podcast from the Northeast. So Amazon Author Academy, Newcastle, on Tuesday, the 5th of June. Orna has asked me to do a stint there as the Alliance of Independent Authors spokesman. So it's quite, it's quite good for me because I get to share a stage with what are genuinely Amazon best-selling authors. And I get to go on the stage uh, and, and sort of, you know, do the networking, um, not because I'm a best-selling author, but because I'm representing the Alliance of Independent Authors. So it's quite a good little gig for me. Um, you know, it's very enjoyable, good for networking. And I met, I've met a lot of you listening to this today through those um, Amazon Author Academies. Now, I was asked to do Glasgow. Glasgow, yeah. And I was double booked on that day. I couldn't do it. And so... Um, my guest who I'm interviewing, actually, coincidentally, it's like Happy Families, this, isn't it? On, on Monday, I'm interviewing Barry Hutchison, who was like, you know, he stole the show at uh, 20 Books to 50K. Very funny guy, very natural, very natural in front of an audience. And um, I actually uh, recommended to 
to Orna that should get Barry on for Glasgow, not only because he's way funnier and much more entertaining than I am, um, you know, but also, you know, he's Scottish, which also sort of helps. So ba- Barry did that gig and he, he got the experience in Glasgow because I was double booked. But I'm very happy to do Newcastle because it's it's my local, it's my, you know, Manchester, New- Newcastle are my kind of local towns. Newcastle probably more so. It's just an hour away from where I live. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, some regional people come there. New Writing North, I hope, will be there. And some kind of influencers in the in the northeast because um, I'm, I've got quite high hopes that we might meet some sort of interesting people and make some good contacts there. So um, if I know you, if you listen to the podcast, do drop me a note. Let me know you're going to be there so I can look out for you and make sure we connect um, they're not usually huge. I wouldn't if they were huge audiences. I wouldn't do them. Uh, I don't mind talking to audiences of, you know, about a hundred, seventy-five to a hundred. I could do that. But if you've got like a an amphitheater full of people, it terrifies the life out of me. It does. So um, hopefully it'll not be too many people. But it's nice and central. It's just behind the railway station. Really, really convenient if you're coming in by rail. Uh, so I hope to see you there. If you're going to be in Newcastle on Tuesday, fifth of June. Just a quick mention to Tim Lewis, um, who um, actually I should have mentioned you earlier, uh, Tim. Uh, Tim sort of sent a picture, as he often does, because uh, he was listening to the podcast on a Saturday. Uh, Tim was listening to me in the front room. It looks very posh, that Tim. Very nicely dusted. <laughs> very tidy. Not quite like the tea lounge. But um, he says, uh, listening to your Mega Diary episode at home, I agree with most of your truths, particularly the need for grit or basically surviving long enough to thrive. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, most things are about grit. I've told you my story of getting into the radio that I I started doing my first ever hospital radio broadcast at the age of 18. I think I was 27 when I finally uh, got a job at the BBC, if I remember rightly. And that was a contract rather than a job. So you do have to have grit. And, And if I compare my writing journey with my BBC journey, I'm sort of four years in, three to four years in, on what at the BBC was a nine-year journey. So <laughs> see you in another five years. Um, you know, you have to expect these journeys to kind of be, I guess, as as, as long as that, as gruelling as that. Okay, that's it for this week's diary. On Monday, I am interviewing Barry Hutchison. Uh, uh, the interview won't run until, or it's not going to run for a couple of weeks, the next interview that's scheduled. Remember, we're in our kind of summer season at the moment. The next scheduled interview is episode 116. That's going to run on Monday, the 4th of June, and that's with Miles Hudson. And Miles is the gentleman I'm working with uh, through the New Writing North project. He's got, we did a really good interview. So that's running next interview dropping on the 4th, Monday, the 4th of June, just as a date for your diary. But I'm interviewing Barry Hutchison on Monday, and that one's going in the pot. And Barry's interview is going to run on Monday, the 18th of June. So you've got the next date, so the 4th of June and the 18th of June. But I am recording Barry on uh, Monday of next week. So really looking forward to doing that. That's going to be great fun. Um, Very busy, 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 busy. Uh, I will report back from Crime Fest next week. And hopefully by this time next week, I will have another 20,000 words of So Many Lies written. That will take me up to 40,000 words, almost at the halfway point next Friday, if I manage to get the writing done. So that's all very exciting. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, do continue to send your feedback for episode 100. If you're kind of late late to the party and you're just catching up, uh, do feel free to send your your feedback on episode 100. It's It's been really interesting for me, uh, particularly to see how 
no, nobody has written to complain about. I know I wasn't, you know, I'm hardly the bad boy of British, you know, self-publishing, but um, I, I'd used a little bit more language in that, and I'd been a lot more frank, and that seems to have gone down very well. People seem to have appreciated the sort of honesty, so it's quite a good guide and quite good feedback for me to hear that. So if you are just catching up with episode 100, uh, do let me know what you thought, what you agreed with, what you disagreed with, and whether you thought that episode worked. That's it then. I'm going to head off to Bristol. Have a fabulous week of writing. I'm back next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.